Hello there, everybody. Welcome, Welcome to Jewish. To Jewish. Season two. Oh, I'm going to get a drink. That's the way it starts. Yeah. Should I say it's Jewishish? Or? You can say it's what you can say. It's anything. You have full liberty. Jewishish. Freedom of speech. It's it's all the news that's fit for us to podcast on Sunday, September twenty seventh, two thousand twenty. Sunday, September twenty seventh. We've got laughs. We've got news. Wow. We've got the stories for the Jewish and non-Jews. All the sports and entertainment you could wish. We're the always irritating, yes, the always irritating. We're the always irritating Jewish ish, and it's serendipitous Sunday. And on Sundays, as our listeners all know and resent. We leave things up to serendipity. You think I don't know this off the top of my head now? I don't need a script anymore. I've transcended the script. And welcome back to our wonderful and brilliant and phenomenal and all those things. All knowing, all those Star things. Trek correspondent Estelle Nazi. How are you today, Estelle? How are you? Wow, that was a long, drawn-out Estelle. <laughs> now we've got to bleep that out. Identity. How are you today? You haven't been sleeping much, we heard. Yep, I <laughs> I mistakenly forgot when when one of my assignments was due, so I like got up in a panic and started trying to do it at two in the morning because I forgot oh, it's not God. it wasn't due <laughs> last oh, night it's due God. tonight so I I have some extra time but I didn't realize that until I'd gotten through an hour worth of lecture. <laughs> So, you know, one, one thing that I would suggest that I think a lot of our listeners do is to use the various features on Jewishish to organize your week and help you remember what day it is. So, we have <laughs> Murray Monday, we have Acquisition Tuesday. Acquisition Tuesday, we often have the Youth Correspondent on Wednesday. Then we have the great Athena Schwartz on Thursday. Uh-huh. On Friday, the youth correspondent is usually back. Saturday is, of course, the Shabbat Shindig. And today is Serendipitous Sunday. So you can always know what day it is just by thinking, what Jewishish day is it? <laughs> but wouldn't you need to know the day to know what Jewishish? No, you just say today is Murray Monday. But how would you know it's Monday? For because it be yesterday Monday. was Serendipitous Sunday. But how would you have known it was serendipitous Sunday? Because the day before was Shabbat Shindig. But how? <laughs> you put it together <laughs> time a again. machine. But what do you think? For each week, we play a brand new release or a recent live performance that neither of us has heard. And we'll see what we think. And you at home can too. And maybe those of you at home will not be so much bothered by the soda can. That you can tweet us at, at BickersThe or email us at BickersTheGmail.com or leave us one of those messages on Anchor. This week's selection is from a genre that we have not ventured into previously oh, on What no. Do You Think? Oh, no. It's a piece of classical music. Oh, lovely. But not an ordinary piece. 
Here is an act called Solas, but not the Irish traditional band of that name. This Solas is a duo. It's Christian Wilson, who plays the pipe organ, and Gerald McChrystal, who plays various kinds of saxophone. And together they adapt various pieces of classical music, such as this number, which is Handel's Eternal Source of Light Divine, a birthday ode adapted for sopranino, soprano sax, and organ. See what you think. Oops, there we go to the air. Oh, I've, no, oh. we're back. We can fade that out. You weren't very moved by that. Really? I, I was enjoying it. Really? I was listening we want to it. Back? Okay. Yeah, get, go. get it back. Get it back. I'm moved. What do you think? I found that very sweet. Wasn't it nice? I thought it was very, very good. nice. The guy, that guy McChrystal plays both kinds of saxophone on that. No kidding. Yeah. So That's I don't know, they nice. must overdub it or something. Yeah. 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 
Very nice. Okay, so Estelle, are you there? I'm here. Okay, so I want to offer you a Star Trek hypothetical oh boy. that may sound eerily familiar. See what you think. Imagine a planet on which a court of nine beings has immense power and is selected in a weird and arbitrary fashion so that the majority of the court represents a small minority of the people on that planet. One of the Star Treks of your choosing learns about this planet. What do they do? Ooh, that's a good question. Character finds out about this, or or you know, one of the voyage, ships, one of the ships, voyage, you know, you know, maybe what it's they, a whole, a whole ship. How do they re, How do they How would, would the Star Trek crew of your choice or the Star Trek captain of your choice respond to such a strange situation? I think this is one of the hardest questions you've so far given Estelle. I'll be excited to see how she does. I think she rise to it despite the lack of sleep. I do too. I do too. I'm excited to see how she does. Here's the thing. I think that most, uh, if not all, Star, like Starfleet captains and crews would disagree with this. They would disagree with this system and they would find it wrong. However, I don't know if they would interfere if this was an alien planet that they'd come across, given um, Prime Directive uh, procedures on interfering in alien cultures. Um, I think it would probably be a case where maybe one of the uh, subordinate officers may try to interfere because, you know, their sense of justice, like they want to help the people who are unheard, like their voices go unheard in this planet, but... And um, Phaser Mitch McConnell. I mean, uh... <laughs> Mitch's McConnellus. Yes. 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 I feel, I think most would want to interfere and want to help change the system, but if it was, if it was some other alien planet's culture, I think they would not be allowed to interfere. Um, Are they allowed to make suggestions to that planet? Can they advise? Of course. I think the Federation often try to serve as a model. They, I think they consider themselves a very just society. And there are many cases where uh, Starfleet crews will come across planets that have practices that they find to be unethical, and they try to say, well, in our culture, here's what we do and why we think that, that this is the right way to go. And, this um, is, and um, sometimes... And this is why we think yes. you should add four judges to your crummy court. And Faisa Mitch <laughs> McConnell's. Yeah. They say that, right? And two hard-boiled eggs. Yeah. Maybe in a, a more diplomatic manner, but yes. Um, there have been many cases where they're like, on our planet, we do this because so we please, feel like it's a more yeah, just please, way. Please, yeah. <laughs> Is there any Finally. chance they would take with them a couple of the judges and move them to a different planet? Like <laughs> Thomasus or Elite El the or like Eliotish? A, like a kidnapping? <laughs> Well, just a, a move, a, 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 a move to a nicer place. They could move them to the planet of Miami. <laughs> a change of scenery. Yeah. Um. 
So you, so you know, you I don't, you don't I, see in Star Wars any in Star Trek any direct solution to our problem. Phaser Metro. Um, I think just in terms of the way that the Federation is set up, just in the scenario of the Federation coming in contact with a planet that has an unjust or possibly corrupt system in place. I think um, that the ones in power, like the admirals and the captains, will not interfere directly. Though there have been cases where maybe lieutenants or ensigns, they, they follow their heart and their sense of justice instead of Federation protocol and try to help um, the people on these alien worlds. You know, but, you know what occurs to me in all seriousness is, is that the position that you're describing is appropriate to missions that are fundamentally scientific in the way they're designed. And it's really only perhaps in the last few years that the notion of activist scientists has become mainstream. And I wonder whether there won't be versions of Star Trek or their equivalent where scientists are willing to intervene more in emergency situations just because scientists find themselves having to take political positions um, these days. Mm -hmm. So here, I got another one for you. It seems to me that there are a number of episodes in which a Star Trek crew finds itself infected by a contagious illness, right? There, aren't there a bunch of episodes like that? There is. There is yeah. a particularly horrifying one in in Voyager. Um, call. I think it's called like Macro something. It's a literally a giant virus um, that flies around and attacks and then uh, infects people. It was absolutely horrifying to watch as a child. Really? So is there is there in that episode or any other that contend with with such illnesses anything that might offer any insight for our current covid afflicted country and world? Well, I don't know in that I I think that particular case of the giant macrovirus may not be applicable because the solution there was to shoot them with phasers. Um and that doesn't really work with covid. It works with Mitch McConnell. <laughs> Just get out the big phasers. Yeah, well, that's um. what the thing. Yeah, yeah, please. Yeah, but but any other strategy that they use in relation to um, any kind of illness that might be helpful to us? I can't. My memory is failing me in terms of other uh, cases or episodes and other shows of a virus or illness outbreak. Um, because I, I think uh, in many cases, it's that, that I remember the, whatever illness, mysterious outbreak of illness or disease that happens, it spreads kind of before it's too late. Yeah. Um, I guess... It I guess, is often the case. I guess the kinds of challenges we're dealing with these days in terms of social distancing have a kind of analogy on the ship as there is often this decision to isolate somebody in their own quarters or in the medical area and there's often tension about the person's not wanting to remain in that uh, place and that, that's a little bit similar to these questions about quarantining and so on, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Alright, so we're back to uh, sport or no sport. Okay, you ready? 
Aren't you going to say Jew and non-Jew? Not yet. Really? Not yet. Okay. Now Why you'll say I? it when I say it. Okay, here's my list. You ready? Not They're kind of inter interrelated. <laughs> Race walking. Definitely not Jew, and I don't think it's a sport either. I'm not convinced. Do you know what I'm talking Race about? Walking? Race walking? They have yeah, fast walk walkers fast. at a track meet. Have ridiculous. you ever seen that? Oh, it's a speed walking Yeah, exactly. Race. Interesting. So you're not familiar mm. with that one? Well, I mean, I it, it makes sense to me that, that it's a thing. It, it goes to figure if we have races where people see who can run the fastest, it makes sense that we would see who can walk the fastest. Because, you know, speed walking uh, takes it out of you. It does, It you know, I feel, I, I personally feel that I'm more aware of all of my leg muscles when I'm speed walking. Um, I've often had to speed walk from the dining hall back to my dorm to make it back to a class in time. Um, and know, it is it is physically uh, exerting. You know what's physically exerting at my age is getting in and out of a chair. They should have races for that. That would be a sport that I would watch. <laughs> speed getting in and out of chairs. All right, so a lot of people my age use, use walking for exercises. Walking, regular walking, is that a sport? It depends on who you're doing it with, and it depends on where you're doing it. Because a lot of equipment goes to that these days. It's a big thing at sporting goods stores. What do you walking? think, Estelle? Yeah. What, what walking equipment? Walking shoes. They sell shoes. <laughs> yeah, but it says specifically for, for, for walking. Are, shoes, are there shoes that are not yeah, made for Yeah, for getting walking? in and out of chairs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so how about this? Walking on a treadmill. No. no. Is that a sport? It's no. Exercise. That's no. exercising. Okay. All right, here's, here's one. How about arm wrestling? Mm. Sport or not a sport? Mm, not a sport. I could so difficult. I could be convinced, but I, I, for now I would say it is neither sport nor Jew. I thought of another one that's not on my list. What? Thumb fighting. Thumb wars. That's a sport. <laughs> at the highest level. Really? That's, that should that's... be in the Olympics? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Okay. What do you think? It's Estelle? funny. It should have its own Olympics. I've, I've tried both. I've tried both arm wrestling and thumb wars uh, with, and let me say, it was very difficult. <laughs> All right. But well, I, don't, I don't think it's a sport. It was just I was about physically to say, challenging activity. You could call walking a sport when you're doing it with me, because my stride is so much longer than yours. That you know, you have to make sure I slow down. So how about? That's why I'm so good at speed walking. How about regular wrestling? Is that a sport? Yeah, it's a sport. I'll give it. That. Yeah, that's a yeah. sport. Okay, yeah. last one. Out you of, ready? Out of respect. Last to our, one. Uh, Big old, drum roll. Old here's, academy teacher. Here's one that's on TV a lot these days. Not but, Joe. Fishing. Not sport Jew. Is sport not or not Jew. sport? Not Jew. Fishing. Fishing. I don't think so. I know there are, I think there are sometimes fishing competitions of oh, some sort. But I just, I don't know what it is. It's like how, I don't know what makes someone that much more skilled at tricking a, biting a metal hook. I, I, I don't know, I'm not... 
I, I think that anything that you have to have a license to do shouldn't be a sport. You know, you don't you don't have to have a volleyball license. You know, I think I think if it if really the, so hunting isn't a sport. Did hunting say is that? definitely not a sport. We I haven't said, said that? hunting. No, oh, no, hunting, sport or no sport. Um, some people think of it as such, but I, I definitely don't think, I think it is. I think it's a gross sport. I think it might be a sport though. Really? Yeah. Fishing is not, but hunting. Some people. Yeah, because fishing you sit in a boat. In hunting you dive into valleys and ravines and, and they sit in a in a on a blind and so but sometimes on and you fall away. out of it and you have well, to you climb can fall back out up. of the boat that's true. <laughs> falling out of that's things true. doesn't make something a sport well, I you're fall, making me reanalyze everything if it does that, it does that then getting in and out of a chair is a sport because <laughs> i fall out of the chair all the we, time i don't think <laughs> Established that getting in and out of a chair isn't a sport. Okay, all right. That's definitely a Jewish sport. Oh, yeah, true. All right, Estelle, thank you very much as always. All righty. Good luck getting some sleep. Thank yeah. you. Good luck sleep. finishing sleep. up that Go assignment. Go to sleep immediately. <laughs> all right. Well, all right. Goodbye. folks, you know it's fall. And oh, of course, no. that means, though I've been kind of falling out of my rhythm with it, that we need to read something from the Vermont Country Store, Volume 74, Numbers 27, purveyors of the practical and hard to find since 1946. Over 100 new items for fall. Come on in and see. Today we're featuring our gourmet small batch marshmallows, light and airy and rolled in sweet toasted coconut. Doesn't that sound good? If you think you're not a marshmallow fan, we invite you to think again. These handcrafted marshmallow treats will surely change your mind. The marshmallow squares are unbelievably light, perfectly sweet, and covered with golden toasted coconut, irresistible. Two eight-ounce tubs, number each, four, eight, eight, four, two tubs, toasted coconut marshmallows for $15.90. Only at the Vermont Country Store. Call us toll-free, 1-800-8564-4623. We're always open. Shop anytime. See, I have new music for while you're doing your fall stuff. Oh, wonderful. I didn't that? get that. Didn't yeah, get no, that? I got yeah. that now. That's yeah. wonderful. It's also because during those portions, our show is in free fall, so it's very appropriate. I would like to also acknowledge today the fact that both of our, our respective heads, their hair has risen over the course of the episode as we pull it yeah, out in right. frustration. That's true. We, it's, we they're both, both we look like Smurfs now. Yeah, yeah. Alright, goodbye okay. everybody. Thanks Estelle, we'll see you next time. Uh, have a good one everybody. This has been Joshua. I like to say that during the da 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 because I know our listeners in the planet have come back. You hung up on Estelle, you didn't shut off that. You hung up on Estelle.